0: What's up? It's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslite.com. Coors Light, take time to chill.
1: It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJ Hood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000.
0: We'll talk UFC 250 and some boxing with Ray Flores coming up at 8.30 for Tales from the Hood. Uh, looks like Conor McGregor's retiring again. Wink, wink. We'll talk to Ray about that coming up uh, in 30 minutes from now right here on ESPN 1000. The NBA is returning. Ah, Nick Friedel covers the NBA for ESPN.com, and he joins me here on ESPN 1000. Hello, Nick. Hello, my man. It's back, my friend. NBA is back, and there's going to be trouble. It's back.
2: Oh, let's hope it's not too big of, uh, of a mess, uh, too big of trouble. Uh, I, I'm i really excited to see how this plays out, uh, and I hope that everything uh, down at Disney works out the way it should. But, really I still have some worries just because what happens uh, the first time somebody gets sick what happens if several people uh, on a team test positive at the same time and these are all different questions that the league is trying to work through as we speak Uh, they're trying to put a protocol in place but if that happens uh, then what are the ramifications following it so i i hope that it works but as we sit here now six weeks or so before it all gets rolling, uh, count me in the group that is still, uh, still definitely has some concerns.
0: Well, I'm wondering: Does the NBA look at boxing and UFC and sees that as a business model? Because I had those same concerns. But you know, Dana White couldn't care less about your COVID nineteen. Like, <laughs> like he didn't care about your COVID nineteen, pal. Because the first time that he ran in Jacksonville. I mean, he had, there was two two camera people from ESPN Plus and a and a fighter, and he was like, "Okay, uh, let's get those guys quarantined. Let's keep the keep the show rolling. Let's move the drill." And and that that's dangerous in itself, in which you don't care. But I'm wondering, does the NBA look at it as if someone does get COVID 19, we're going to keep it moving?
2: They have to. Uh, if you've come this far, and you are investing this much time. This much money, all these resources—you have got to make that decision. Uh, and I—I I mean, I'm sure the people in the league office are watching all this stuff, and they're saying, "Okay, you know, let's just let's be clear on how we want to set this up before it starts." So then, if these different scenarios pop up over time in the bubble, we'll know how to handle them. Uh, but there's no doubt—I mean, as players and coaches and Executives from all these teams, as they start looking out at what's going on, that has to be at the forefront of their mind. The hope is that everything runs smoothly and the testing is in place. Uh, and you know that the NBA is going to take every precaution uh, that it possibly can. But, you know, the flip side of this is if we're being real, and, and we always are, uh, especially in, in conversations about the league, this is all financially driven. This is all about the money, and so uh, if it runs smooth, the league will look great. If it runs poorly uh, and people get it and they they get it in, uh, in larger groups on teams, then the optics are going to be very, very bad uh, for the league.
0: Nick Friedel covers the NBA for ESPN.com. He joins me, Jonathan Hood, on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So now that the NBA is returning. Nick, how do you believe the players and Adam Silver? How do you think that they did putting this return together?
2: I think they did about as well as they could given the circumstances. Uh, I really believe that the Disney is a great place for it, Hoodie. I mean, I. I Grew up in Orlando. I've played basketball tournaments at that wide world of sports complex. That place was built specifically to host leagues, uh, to host AU tournaments. That place all year long is full of usually younger athletes, but athletes who are going to be there for several weeks at a time. Now it's just the NBA. It's a larger scale. Uh, We've never seen anything like it. But given the options – And given what the league was able to do in this amount of time, I believe that for the players and for the league itself, this provided the best opportunity to finish the year and to to cash out on so many of of those TV deals uh, for the rest of the money in this season. So I give the players, Adam Silver, the league office, a bunch of credit for finding a way to make it work when we've seen uh, uh, several leagues, specifically Major League Baseball, really struggle to to find any common ground in the middle of what's happening in the world.
0: What are you looking forward to seeing? When we stopped, we were able to um, see the Battle of Los Angeles, Milwaukee. Is there a storyline you're looking forward to seeing once it returns?
2: To me, Hoodie, it's all about the Clippers. and And you know we've had this conversation for a year now. I have believed since they got Kawhi and they got Paul George that that was the team to beat. And now the Clippers have this chance to not only beat the Lakers and get through the West, but beat everybody on a neutral floor. Because people keep asking me, and in my opinion, who does this benefit the most? To me, it's the Los Angeles Clippers. Because you're not playing road games in your own building, potentially, against the Lakers. I mean, you have a chance to show that you have the best team in the league on a neutral floor and you have enough space in the schedule uh, to, to be able to do so and still get uh, players like Kawhi, who's been uh, on load management throughout the season, the rest they need to perform at their highest level. So the Lakers uh, have been great all season. I'm curious to see if they can find their rhythm quickly, the, the Bucks have been really, really good, not only uh, throughout this regular season, but last year, and they seem to have built to this point. But for me, I have always thought that the Clippers were a cut above everybody else if they were healthy and playing the right way at the right time. And now they have this chance, and I believe they'll take advantage of it.
0: Let's hear from Brian Windhorst from his Hoop Collective podcast regarding players returning uh, to the NBA, being in Orlando. He says players don't realize what they are signing up for. Nobody's saying that, oh, my God, this is such a a burden. Uh, You know, they are going to Disney World where they will be playing basketball.
1: I mean, they're not going to uh, Chernobyl and working in a radioactive mine. They are not uh, on as a first responder where they're going with COVID
0: patients. I want to keep that in perspective here. I'm just saying, I think when this protocol lands in all these email inboxes and people start reading through this in the next few days, I think there's going to be some situations where like, wait a minute, what did we agree to? You think that's true, Nick?
2: Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. Yeah. And I think it ties into what we were saying. Uh, the the push to get this season back and finish it off is so great that I think players uh, in the league wanted to make it happen so much that they just said, all right, we, we will do what it takes. The reality, when you talk to people around the league, though, I I, I can tell you just from my own experience that I, I did not realize how restrictive it was going to be if you're in the bubble. Uh, and from a media perspective perspective, I think the league's still trying to figure out exactly how it wants to, to structure the bubble and how uh, they're going to allow certain people in uh, and limit how many people there, there are in the bubble at one time. But for players, it doesn't sound like they're going to be able to do all that much. And when you're used to not only flying around from city to city and, and being able to go and do whatever you want, after the first week or so, I have a feeling guys are going to be looking around, going, "This is all we're able to do. This is all we can can see." And for a team like, let's take the Clippers or the Lakers or the Bucks, who are supposed to advance at least at a minimum to the conference finals in the East and West, respectively, they're going to be down there potentially for three months. So, to Bryant's point. I think that everybody's sitting there right now going, all right, got this thing back. Let's make it happen. Let's finish it off. May the best team win and hope everybody stays healthy. But once you're down there and you start living in the bubble, going back and forth to the gym and the hotel, I think that's going to get old really fast, and that's something else that the league is going to have to deal with as situations arise.
0: So, Nick, I'm just going to – it's not a question. I'm just going to throw it out there that – With this time away, there's going to be some teams that I think will be able to make a move here, maybe a team you're not looking to see. And I will just say that I expect for Miami to be a better team with Jimmy Butler healthy and ready to go and make a resurgence here because for those that don't remember Milwaukee as Nick mentioned like the top team in the Eastern Conference but then is Toronto Boston Miami Indiana's the fifth seed the Sixers and then the Nets and the Magic okay so they're all going to be in the playoff uh, mix in the East but I, I believe that Miami when we saw them last Nick, I was very impressed by, by what they were doing. And it's, it just goes to show you that you add Jimmy Butler to the mix, especially a focused Jimmy, and if he gets all everyone else on board, then the sky's the limit. I think Miami could be that team.
2: Hody, your point is very well taken, especially because Jimmy Butler, we've known uh, him for a decade now. I mean, you and I have watched him closely dating back to his rookie season in Chicago. Nobody loves <laughs> going to the gym. And, and, and getting his work in and, and continuing to to stay there and get his teammates focused more than Jimmy does. So in this environment especially, in any environment, he is uh, going to be motivated to prove to everybody that he can do it. In this environment, where everybody's on the same playing field and you've got to have that mental focus day in, day out to do what you want to do, uh, I'm with you on the heat. Uh, I still think that they may be one piece short offensively, uh, but when you have Jimmy uh, focused the way we know he will be uh, and Bam Adebayo playing at the level that he has played and you have the intensity that that team brings night to night, they are a perfect team for this kind of environment. Uh, Now, can they get past Milwaukee? Well, we're going to see, but as far as Miami goes, I think that is it's why it's so important for them to push up uh, and, and potentially get into that three spot uh, instead of Boston because then you avoid the showdown with Milwaukee, assuming that they make it through into the conference finals uh, until that last round uh, before the NBA finals. So I like Miami a lot. I think they can make some noise, and I'm with you. If they can stay healthy... Uh, behind Jimmy, and then you have Andre Vidala, who has all the playoffs experience that he has and has been rested now for the better part of a year, aside from a few games when he got there. I think mean, Miami can could, could really, really do it in the East.
0: Yeah, no shot at Toronto or Indiana. I just think that You know, a resurgent, focused Miami team could give. I like to see that matchup if it comes down to it, Milwaukee and Miami. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I need you for another segment because I need to talk to Cub fan uh, Nick uh, coming up next. Oh, I'm ready for Uh, that. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk to you. uh, I'm ready. So uh, grab uh, uh, Cub fan Nick and we'll talk to him uh, coming up next on UTA. You're listening
1: to Under the Hood. Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts and the live stream from anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. We'll
0: talk about the UFC and uh, some boxing with Ray Flores coming up uh, at 8.30 right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Don't forget. I mentioned the ESPN Chicago app. Have you downloaded that thing? Download the ESPN Chicago app. You can listen live and actually hear all the podcasts from all the shows here on the station, including mine, Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. I work weeknight, so you may not get a chance to hear all three hours. We've always got some... Really good content from you, uh, f- uh, for you on Under the Hood. So check it out, Under the Hood with John Under the Hood. Also, if you're a wrestling fan, we've got Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. No wrestling's down a little bit here, but we've got Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday for you every Tuesday night. You can catch the uh, podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. Nick Friedell's is our guest here from uh, ESPN.com, covers the NBA for us like a blanket. Uh, Nick, before uh, I hear from Cup fan Nick, I just want to just point out, that <laughs> Adam Silver is just amazing. You know, he, he in this in this um, pandemic that we're going through, this COVID nineteen, where he's trying to get the league started, leaving out eight teams and not restarting the regular season for real, for real is just funny to me. I got like twenty two teams, right? But but no Knicks, no uh, no Bulls, <laughs> you know. And, and as if I want to watch Sacramento and Phoenix, okay? Like I, like I needed those teams to be in the bubble. <laughs> I wanted my 16 teams, I want the playoffs to start now, but it's so funny. Like, If I'm going to be the only one that's going to call him out, I'll call him out. He's doing this on purpose. He sees Zion should be in the playoffs if he can make it there. He wants Devin Booker in the playoffs. He thinks Popovich, even though his team stinks, he thinks that Popovich, it doesn't look like the NBA playoffs without Popovich being in the mix. I just think it's funny because... Because he's just trying to find as much star power as possible and then leaving the other teams out. He's doing this on purpose. And if I'm one of these other eight teams, I'm like, what about Trey Young? What about me?
2: Right. Well, and when I saw that the Wizards and the Suns were in, I went, what? Wizards? <laughs> what? Like,
0: I mean, it's Beal and nobody.
2: What in the <laughs> world? But, hey, it's not, it's not just that. It's the, the regional TV deals. I got to get to that number. And this may help some teams. So, look, fans are are very smart when they start going through uh, the nuts and bolts of of these types of arrangements. This is all about the money. It's all, all about the money. So, uh, in the end, like we were just saying, I I give Adam Silver in the league a ton of credit and the players for finding a way. But... uh, To add some of these teams, (laughs) let's not get it twisted. This is financially driven, uh, and the league is trying to find a way to get that play-in game uh, into uh, the normal rotation, and uh, I I guess this is a a way to work it out, but to have – to have a, a a lot of those teams on the end, especially the Wizards and the Suns, and to leave everybody else out, hoodie, I, I was just kind of shaking my head.
0: <laughs> this is funny. Like, hey, listen, I understand it wouldn't be the playoffs without Dame Dollar and CJ McCollum. It'd be weird for Portland not to, to be there. But my God, like John Morant <laughs> could wait. He doesn't have to be. There. <laughs> I don't need Memphis in the playoffs right now. But right. I just right. think it's funny. Uh, I need to talk to Nick uh, Cup fan Nick here because uh, Nick, you know, Sosa McGuire. The 30 for 30 is going to be on Sunday. Uh, we were going to call you originally to get your thoughts on, you know, on B Water uh, and get your, your Bruce Lee thoughts. I'm almost
2: all the way through it. <laughs> I like the way it's setting up right now, though.
0: <laughs> Never thought I'd hear you say that. like Hoodie, true, I really think true. that Lee just doesn't have enough to win. Um, <laughs> Sosa and McGuire, I want to get your thoughts on what you remember most about that home run chase.
2: Watching Sammy was the reason myself and so many others watched those games day in and day out for a long stretch of time, buddy. And to watch those from McGuire in the moment, I was, in 98, I would have been, you know, 14, 15 years old. I, wa- I was watching every single day. It was awesome. The joy I had as a baseball fan in that moment is unlike anything I've experienced day-to-day day, uh, before. It was just fun seeing who would hit the home run, and Sammy was my guy. Sammy was and when Ryan Sandberg, and when Rhino retired, it was Sammy. And he was the reason that I watched, and he made those Cubs teams, forget 98, because they went to the playoffs, and that was fun, but in those years after, oh my gosh, he, he was the only reason you tu- tuned in. I mean, I'm a diehard Cubs fan, and I would watch every day, but I wanted to see if sammy would have hit a home run and that is why i it just it makes me so angry the way the ricketts family and the cubs have treated him since look and let's be honest i don't like knowing what i know now as a 36 year old baseball fan i don't like what sammy did I, i mean i wish that he hadn't used whatever he had used, and i wish that he would come out and just say hey I I did this stuff. I'm sorry about it. I, I just want to move forward. For whatever reason, he does not want to do that. That does not mean that the Cubs can turn their back on him. And that is what has driven me just crazy. Because Sammy carried that franchise for years and years. And maybe he was not the best guy. Maybe he did not treat people as well as he should have. And maybe he should have treated the media better. I think all those things would have helped him in this moment. But I've been... Screaming it for years, I'm sure it's going to come back, certainly in the city after this documentary runs. Sammy needs to come back to Wrigley Field, at least for a day. And and there are thousands of fans like me who will stand up and cheer for him and say thanks uh, for, for what you did. And people who don't agree with that, they don't have to show up that day. And if they still want to come to the game and boo, they're going to get drowned out really fast by the thousands of others uh, that want to cheer. So I, I wish that the Cubs would just do right by Sammy, and I hate that uh, all we've heard ever from Tom Ricketts on this situation is, are these fake? Well, he owes an apology to his teammates. Tell me what teammates. Tell me who is sitting in there saying, Tom, don't let him back in. The guy does, he said on the record several times, he doesn't want a job. He, he doesn't want something more than just being back. So let him come back. And, and and then you say, well, not unless he apologizes. He's not going to apologize for whatever reason he does not want to say whatever went down. So you're going to just turn your back on him and and never let him come back to Wrigley? That is ridiculous. And as a fan and somebody who watched day in day out during that summer, it just drives me crazy to think that they've turned their back on on a on a family member on an important player of sammy's stature for what he did for that team
0: so we see sosa and he has been in that um cloud of controversy when it comes to steroids and and it's never been proven there's not a positive test that's been on the record about sammy sosa does that affect your fandom of sosa knowing that that was that he mcguire palmero so many others were around the the steroid era
2: i don't like it Hoodie. I I don't like it. I I wish it had all been on the up and up, and I wish that it had been clean. But my point to anybody who says, oh, he must must apologize or else he'll never come back in. That doesn't erase the joy that he provided for me as a fan. That doesn't erase all the times I would race to the television after school waiting to see him hit a home run. I can't just uh, delete it from my memory. I, I wish that he had he had done different stuff. I, I wish that uh, that cloud that you talked about didn't hover over him. I wish that it had been a different way. It wasn't though, and that's that's the whole thing that I have never understood uh, why fans uh, that that uh, just scream and yell about Sammy and, and don't want him to come back to Wrigley. I, that's what I've never gotten. Because all those same fans were standing and screaming at the top of their lungs, waiting for him to hit a home run. They wanted it to happen every single day, and then all of a sudden, oh, oh uh, We don't know who Sammy Sosa is. What, what, Sammy Sosa. What are you talking? Oh, he he must apologize for what he did. Who who is saying that he must apologize? That and I, I was yelling at our at our man <laughs> Cap this morning because. Cap, I love Cap. He, he has the power to at least get Tom Ricketts on the phone. And I've never heard it from Ricketts' mouth, clearly what it is that they need to hear from Sammy other than he needs to apologize to teammates. Well, Tom, okay, what happens if he doesn't? There, there are so many follow-ups that could, uh, could come after that. And I hope uh, Cap or, or whomever it may be gets Tom Ricketts on that phone on Monday after the doc runs and gets an explanation, a much clearer explanation of what Sosa needs to do. Because Sammy is going to get praise. I'm sure that the topic of of performance enhancing drugs is going to come up, and he's going to do whatever he's going to do. But he still belongs at Wrigley Field. Uh, And I hope that he has that chance sooner than later. Because, buddy, look, life is too short. Stuff happens. Uh, You you never know what can happen. I I would just hate it if he was never allowed back at Wrigley uh, because ownership wasn't uh, willing to to talk to him uh, and to give him the moment that he earned uh, for all those times that he carried the Cubs for all those years.
0: Lastly, Nick, uh, Tom Ricketts uh, talked to Jesse Rogers a few days ago, and, and the quote that resonated with me the most is, uh, talking about the league, he says, the league itself does not make a lot of cash. I think there's a perception that we hoard cash and we take money out and it's all sitting in a pile that we've collected over the years. Well, it isn't uh, because no one anticipated a pandemic. No one expects to have to draw down on the reserves from the past. Every team has to figure a way out of to plug the hole. Um, so Ricketts is one of the few that have spoken on the record as far as ownership in Major League Baseball about what's happening here. As a baseball fan, how much does this disappoint you that Rickett says, hey, you know, uh, it's not like we, we're we not going to have a lot of money here. He says that uh, the scale of losses across the league is bi- biblical. Um, what are your thoughts on what Rickett had to say, one of the few owners speaking on the record regarding this?
2: My friend, when I read that quote, I just shook my head. When I read the story, I shook my head. But the biblical part, I <sighs> look, if you don't want to to pay what it takes to keep that team up and running at the highest possible level, then sell the team. It's why, as a fan, again, I was, I was a season ticket holder for years at Wrigley. It, it, it's what drove me completely insane when <laughs> they wouldn't spend any money and they kept saying, ah, yeah. it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll make it happen and, and we're investing – uh, the right way now Tom Ricketts got the last laugh uh, because they won but to sit there and go oh well you know we to, we don't we don't have the money right now and, and the margins are very uh, slim fans don't want to hear that. they don't want to hear that and and this is broader than just the Cubs hoodie. You and I have talked about our love for baseball for years. that was my first sports love baseball the Cubs. I am terrified for major League Baseball. Terrified as I watch all this play out because I'm not just worried are they going to come back or not this season for 50 games or 70 games, whatever the number is. I'm sitting there thinking every day we're watching uh, the Korean Baseball League operate day-to-day. Those games are on ESPN. Major League Baseball is blowing such a golden opportunity right now to get out in front of all these sports and be featured on national platforms and channels day after day and instead all we hear publicly is the the owners and the players fighting about money and again what happens in the next year or two we'll see but i just feel like in 20 years oh i i i am so concerned more concerned than i've ever been for the health of the game because i'm at to, to the point now where in the second week of june i, I don't even hardly care You don't want to come back because the money's fine. Don't care. Because I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. Basketball, the NBA is going to move their calendar and they're going to start playing much deeper into the summer and they are going to dominate baseball. Dominate it. And then what happens? Because then baseball, its playoffs are going to run right up into uh, the NFL schedule again. And they're going to lose and the interest in the game itself is going to diminish to a level that we have not seen before over time. I hope I'm wrong, but as I watch this, that's my opinion, and I, I feel it's stronger than I ever have because I love the game so much, and I feel like they're just screwing up on every possible level.
0: Nick, I'm glad you uh, spent some time, and I've always said, you know, if the Cubs don't want Sosa, Reinsdorf can have Sosa. That's what we'll do. We'll, have, we'll we'll bring back the the Panther, Sammy Sosa, the young Sosa with the with the chains around his neck, overthrowing the cutoff man time and time again with the White Sox. We'll take we'll take Sosa on the south side. If the Cubs don't want him, the Sox can bring him back. That's what I say. The,
2: the good old days, my man. And I just <laughs> leave you with this. I'm I'm looking out the window right now at now what's called Oracle Park, where the Giants play. Yeah, Barry Bonds played there for years, made that team uh, ungodly sums of money. That team never turned their back on Barry Bonds. And Barry Bonds did uh, plenty of stuff, whatever Sammy did, uh, even more. And I hate that the Cubs have turned their back on Sammy Sosa, and I hope it changes.
0: I appreciate it as always. Hope to talk to you next week about Sosa and McGuire. Thanks so much for coming on the show. You got it, my man. Nick Friedel covers the NBA for ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter at Nick Friedel. Coming up next, uh, UFC 250 is in the books. Nunez gets the job done. And we also talk about Conor McGregor. Is he retiring for real, for real? We'll talk about it next with Ray Flores on UTH.
2: What do you got there? This is your car? My car? I said a 10-second car, not a 10-minute car.
1: Pop the hood. Pop the hood? Pop the hood. Tales from the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Here
0: we go. Tales from the Hood stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. You never know what you get from Tales from the Hood. But tonight, we get a chance to talk to our combat sports expert, Ray Flores, who so will take a look at UFC 250 and take a look at the inside of UFC, and he joins me here on ESPN 1000. Ray, I appreciate your
1: time. Jonathan, always a pleasure, my friend. How are you?
0: I'm well, thank you. Uh got a chance to watch UFC 250, Nunes against Spencer for the featherweight title. What uh, stood out most about Nunes and her victory?
1: I mean, just the dominance, Jonathan. We are watching the greatest woman's mixed martial artist of all time. Her run has been absolutely unprecedented. She is steamrolling through everybody. Uh, People look back at the days of Ronda Rousey, and that was very impressive. But not like this. Amanda Nunes is on a different level compared to you know a lot of other women's mixed martial artists who came before her and and nunez is just she continues to dominate she literally bludgeoned felicia spencer throughout the course of that five round fight i know you and i were talking about it on social media but jonathan amanda nunez gets better and better and better well here's what i liked
0: about her uh, performance against spencer Ray, I, I just thought, I know it's not a sexy topic, but if we're going to talk about what happens in the octagon, we got to talk about only, not only offense, but defense. I think it's one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen from her, where Spencer could not be able to get through. She was not able to do um, what she could. She was already the underdog coming in, but I just thought that Nunes, we already know how aggressive she is offensively, but her defense, though, stood out to me the most.
1: Jonathan, you're absolutely correct, and as I look at the numbers numerically, Total strike, just 70 strikes landed for Felicia Spencer in the fight. That's over the course of a five-round fight. 25 minutes and just 70 strikes landed by Felicia Spencer compared to that of 132 for Amanda Nunes and the fact that Nunes was successful on all but one of her takedown attempts numerically the numbers lie. What we saw in the octagon, it doesn't lie. You would think that Amanda Nunes would have, as, as they talked about in the NBA, uh, like a trap game or a trap fight because Felicia Spencer didn't have the, the gravitas or the hype behind her. Amanda Nunes, it doesn't matter if you're King Kong or if you are someone that the oddsmakers don't believe in, she's going to treat you like a high-profile opponent, which is more of a testament to her greatness.
0: Ray, when you talk about Nunez in this fashion, you're saying that she is accomplished or will be more accomplished than Rousey, than Cyborg, than Shevchenko, more so than Misha Tate, Holly Holm. You're saying that she surpassed these
1: fighters? I think so, yes, absolutely. And and there is no doubt in my mind. I know that there was talk about, is she the the, the greatest women's mixed martial artist of all time? Even coming into this fight, I thought that, and this performance even solidifies it, Jonathan. I, I don't see her slowing down. Now, her, her partner is going to have a child in September. So, you know, things may change a little bit when it comes to her training regimen and her focus. But right now, Jonathan, Amanda Nunes is the greatest women's mixed martial artist of all time.
0: Ray Flores with us here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago Apples We talk about UFC 250. Uh, anything else in the undercard that stood out to you the most? Uh, maybe uh, your thoughts on a couple of these matches that took place?
1: Yeah, Jonathan. I mean, look, Cody Garbrand came out and looked mightily impressive with that. I mean, I hope baseball comes back. That's another topic for another day. But that walk-off shot that he connected at the end of the second round against Rafael Asunza. Carbent's a former, you know, Bantamweight champion of the world, came back, he lost two in a row, and what he was able to do to Hafael Asunza, nobody does that. Another guy who was mightily impressed by, Al Sterling for submitting Corey Sanhagen. You know, this was a fight between two guys in the top 10 of the Bantamweight division. Sterling was three, Sanhagen was five, And Sterling went out there and put him away with a submission. And Al Sterling is getting better, not by a little, Jonathan, by a lot. So if I'm playing matchmaker here, which I like to do from time to time, and I'll (laughs) do it with you here on ESPN 1000, give me Cody Garbrandt and Al Sterling for the vacant title if we can make that happen because now with Henry Cejudo saying that he's retired, I feel like a lot of the top names in the UFC are retiring or claiming they're going to retire. So whatever the case may be, the title should not be held in peril. Give me Sterling. Give uh, I think Garbrandt would. I think that'd make a heck of a fight for the vacant title. People may say, "Well, Garbrandt lost two of his last 3 Doesn't matter. Garbrandt was a former bantamweight champion. He got the win against a tough guy in Javier Lasuente. So. Give me Sterling Garbrandt. Let's make it happen.
0: By the way. So we saw again, and I don't know how much of this is big news because we see this almost once a month with these retirements. Conor McGregor says that he is retiring. W- what is the point of retiring, Ray? If you if he stays in the game, if he stays in uh, the MMA, he's going to get paid. Whatever fight it's going to be against a, a big opponent, small opponent, contenders match, whatever, he's going to get paid. If he retires, does he feel like he's going to be paid a lot more for the return?
1: I think that's his mentality. He's looking at what Floyd Mayweather did in boxing, and it's so fitting that they both fought because that's what, you know, Conor McGregor did. We've heard on a couple of occasions uh, Mayweather walked away from boxing for a couple of years, came back. I mean, it's just been back and forth. Conor right now, I think he's bored. And what I mean by that is no fans coming to the arenas because of, you know, this pandemic. Conor needs the attention, the crowd, the electricity from the fans. Fighting on TV with no fans doesn't interest him. He was saying that he went back and watched a couple of the UFCs. He goes, I watched it, but I wasn't overly impressed. It's because he doesn't have 20,000 people in the arena. is not going nowhere. At the end of the day, he is a businessman. But these guys are fighters. That's what they do. That's what they know I love the NBA and the NFL, but at the end of the day, I'm a fight guy, and I am a lifer the same way a lot of these guys are. Plus, he's still in the prime of his career. Connor isn't going anywhere. He might be gone for six months, but mark my words, the Notorious One will be back.
0: Why? But why? Why even say that you're going to retire? Because you know it's not true. Like this is, this is so Sugar Ray Leonard from years <laughs> gone by, where he retired eight times. I, I think after the second time, Ray, I think that I think that Leonard forgot he retired that many times. After <laughs> the second time, like he's doing it all the time. Like after every fight, I'm retired. I'm retired. Like after a while, it rings hollow. Like all these fight fans know that he's going to return. I just, I just don't understand it. I just, John,
1: it's like the pretty. Girl in high school who loves the guys coming up to her and trying to get her attention, and she gets into you know, a serious relationship, and the guys leave her alone. The same way with Connor McGregor. He doesn't have a fight lined up. He's not being talked about as much. So how does he put his name in the news? Oh, wait a minute. Let me go and retire. Bang. After the fight was over, instead of us talking about the greatness of Amanda Nunes and poor performances of Cody Garbrandt and, you know, the, the, you know, other top guys, I was mean, Sterling, what were we talking about? Conor McGregor retired this and that. You looked at Dana White's press conference. He's like, yeah, I heard, you know, Hey, Conor's doing well, fine with his, you know, his whiskey and stuff. But (laughs) even Dana White, he was even like, okay, I've heard that how many times by, I don't know how many guys. Okay. Yeah, fine. He'll come back. I know it. I just got to give him a couple more zeros End of the discussion, Jonathan, you know, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny uh, when Henry Cejudo said the same thing, right? He's like, he's going to retire. And I don't think they didn't know why he even blinked.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because where's he going to go? I mean, and I know that there are other entities out there, but where's he going to go to make the kind of money that he can? The UFC and their deal with ESPN is on a different level financially, Jonathan. The most money these guys can make is the UFC. Good luck trying to do your own promotion. Masvidal said the same thing. Hey, I might have to go this and that. All these guys are trying to make more money, and credit to them. But, Jonathan, you're trying to get more money in the middle of a pandemic with no fans? Hey, guys, this isn't the right time to be asking for more money when you don't have zero fans in the arena.
0: <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. Ray Flores uh, telling us uh, his thoughts on the UFC with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. I uh, saw that Holly Holm will be uh, the headlining a card on August 1st for the MMA so, uh, for UFC. So, Ray, here's what I look at. Like, this past Saturday, I watched Nunez-Spencer and watched the card because it's live sports. <laughs> That's why I watched it, because mm-hmm. it's live sports. And so, yeah. even though I knew that Nunez, the only thing that we're looking at is Spencer was some kind of upset out of nowhere, which was never going to happen. So, okay, so I watched it. So, th- same thing with Holly Holm. We talk about uh, some of the top women in the sport. Holly Holm at the top of a card does that interest you? Because, if, because it's got to be a strong undercard for me to even invest in Holly Holm being at the top of a card on August 1st.
1: Look, Holly Holm has, has former world champion. She's accomplished so much in boxing and MMA, but Jonathan, we're talking about August. It's likely that the NBA is going to be back at the end of July. Mm-hmm. All these major sports are probably going to be coming back. When the NBA comes back, the attention will be on the hardwood. That's the fact. Now, can they go ahead and maybe get some viewers, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, but you know what? At the end of the day, Jonathan, when you're the only game in town, your numbers are going to be up. But now we're going to really see if people remember the performance of Holly Holm against Ronda Rousey. I think many people have forgotten those days, and we have a lot more new fans in combat sports. It is going to be an uphill battle. Is she a big enough name? To me, yes. To you, Maybe. But I don't know if she's enough to move that needle, especially when the NBA is coming back. It's going to be a surge of all the sports coming back, and we'll see how much, how popular the UFC is with this card in August.
0: Uh, also from this weekend, we see that Fury versus Wilder three could happen in November in Macau or December. Um, when that news came across, what was your initial reaction? Because every, I think here's why Fury Wilder works. It's not just for you and I, the, the combat sports fan, the, the boxing fan. You're bringing a lot of people under the tent with these two because it's a heavyweight fight. That is that is really the essence of the sport. There's so many other weight classes that are getting us classics, Ray. But it still comes down to the sport and the popularity will take place when you have heavyweights that matter, heavyweight championship matches that matter. So Fury Wilder 3 in Macau, what was your reaction?
1: Oh, I'm glad I get my passport. If I have to work on my work visa, so that's what I have to go ahead and focus on because when that fight happens, no matter where it transpires, I hope though, Jonathan, that Cooler has prevailed because as you know, that fight belongs in Las Vegas. Nowhere else on the planet besides Las Vegas. I'll go wherever it happens, but let's hope they allow fans to come into the arenas in the fall, hopefully, and we can have fifteen or twenty thousand people to go all the way out to China and Macau. I'll do it, but that fight belongs here stateside in Vegas because the numbers will not I mean the numbers are gonna be through the roof with the attendance, the gate, the pay per view, the attention, everything. That fight belongs here in the United States in Las Vegas.
0: If it's later on in the in the year, Ray, you're right. Maybe we will have some fans uh in the stands. Like for instance, there's a fight there's a card uh, tomorrow on ESPN with Stevenson against Caraballo that mm-hmm. that's going to be from Vegas. They say it's live, so but again, you know there's not going to be any fans there as far as we could tell, right? So that I wonder what that looks like because that'll be the first time we saw boxing without fans.
1: I've already been told be prepared to move forward at least for the foreseeable future without fans in the arena. But with that comes a lot of different challenges, Jonathan making sure that the commentators aren't on the ring because I like to talk about strategy and I don't want to give one way or the another. We saw that with Daniel Cormier when he was going ahead and commentating one of the first fights post, you know, the, uh, coronavirus. So I hope that they put the broadcast position where you can hear us. So I've been told be ready for at least a little while without fans, but in the fall, if not early winter, hopefully fans are back where they belong and we can make the house rock at the MGM grand. But again, I am always more optimistic than pessimistic. That's my personality.
0: ESPN going with the old school Tuesday night fights. Is uh, as, as Al Albert in the? <laughs> yes. Is Al Albert there for USA yes. on USA? <laughs> and <Sean O'Grady. laughs>
2: the,
0: the champ Sean O'Grady Tuesday night fights <laughs> on USA. Like, we're, we're, they're, they're bringing it back, Ray. For God's sakes, the Tuesday night fights. It gives me chills. I remember that very well. Yeah, well, you remember
1: Mark Bierro as well, Jonathan, when he would say, Jonathan Hood. Good. Are we going to get the announcing of of the last name twice, too? I mean, we're crying out loud. Are we going to make that happen as well? It's the old school.
0: (laughs) Ray, lastly, and I appreciate your time, tell me where the money is when it comes to a return for John Jones. You know, it's one thing for Conor McGregor, right? But John Jones, for those that are not familiar, why does his name still resonate? Why is his name still important for, for the UFC, even though he's been in and out of the sport with issues?
1: Because he is the most athletically dominant athlete to ever get in the octagon. My number one is Anderson Silva because of what he was able to do back in the day, a man that you know quite well. But looking ahead at what John Jones has been able to do, John Jones, his only loss, I think, came by disqualification years and years and years ago to Matt Hamill, where he was using an illegal elbow, quote unquote. But John Jones is, he, he just, he's a phenomenal fighter, he's athletic. Uh, he's a lightning rod for, for news. So that's why John Jones, money wise, I want to see him and Dominic Reyes. Talk about him going up to heavyweight. You know, that's all fine and everything, but he still has some business against Dominic Reyes. I thought personally he lost that fight to Dominic Reyes. Let's run that back with all his fans. UFC's making a lot of money on their ESPN deal. Get him a little, you know, send him a couple more dollars. Let's see John Jones in there defending his title, and let's make that happen because I think John Jones has a very good foil in Dominic Reyes, who impressed the heck out of me in their last matchup.
0: Ray, I'm glad you spent some time with us, and um, give us some of your thoughts on UFC 250 and what we can see in the future, especially with uh, Fury and Wilder. Hopefully they'll they'll have that date locked down, and it's all going to be interesting as we move forward.
1: Jonathan, hopefully that happens in late fall, if not early winter time. my man, because I am missing Las Vegas. I want the crowd, the energy, the electricity. Let's crank this up, my friend. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.